Hello and welcome to the Herb Digest podcast. My guest today is Arij El Sadhan. Her brother, Abdul Rahman, was sentenced to 20 years in a Saudi prison for tweeting criticisms of the regime of the Crown Prince and de facto ruler, Mohammed bin Salman. The Crown Prince lays claim to modernizing the kingdom and reforming the judicial system. The treatment of Abdul Rahman and thousands of other political prisoners shows that his reforms of the judicial system are designed with one end in mind, the consolidation of his power. Arish, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Bill. It's a pleasure to be here. On the 12th of March, 2018, your brother Abdul Rahman was seized at his place of work, the Red Crescent headquarters in Riyadh. You and your family heard nothing from him, no information about him, save for a single phone call. I think it lasted for a minute. That was over three years. Then he's brought to trial, sentenced to 20 years in jail, plus a 20-year travel ban after his release. According to the Saudi judicial system, what was his crime? Yeah, so uh, my brother was um, was detained in March 12, 2018. He was basically kidnapped from the Red Cross office in Riyadh, and the Saudi government did not acknowledge that they had him until a month of his disappearance, and he continued to be disappeared for an entire two years before we received the first phone call, which lasted less than a minute, and then the second phone call was after three years of disappearance. And after three years of being held without charge, disappeared, and during which also we've learned that he was tortured, uh, they decided to bring him to a secret sham trial and sentenced him to 20 years imprisonment, followed by 20 years travel ban, uh, basically for the crime of tweeting. So Udi Justice System right now, and it's been doing that for a while, is using the uh, cyber crime law and counterterrorism law to crack down on peaceful activists, on freedom of speech. So unfortunately, the justice system is not independent. Under MBS, it's it's completely under MBS's control. Uh, The orders come directly from the royal court, and um, it is used to crack down on uh, freedom of speech, on activists. There is, they monitor everything on Twitter. They don't allow any sort of criticism or any sort of freedom speech uh, at all on social media, and especially on Twitter. For some reason, Twitter is a big deal for Saudi government. They monitor everything that happens on Twitter. And and his tweets, I mean, was he was he advocating some sort of violent overthrow? Was he was he in any way threatening? Not at all. Um, so his, his tweets are more uh, satirical. He uses political satire uh, to criticize issues in the country, such as, for example, the rise of taxes without having the right to vote, uh, the war in Yemen, uh, the killing of uh, innocent people, prisoners of conscience, uh, the freedom of speech. Also, he is calling out the uh, hypocrisy of the religious establishment that invents new religious decrees to to oppress people, and most importantly, of course, uh, calling for democracy, for human rights, for equality, these like basic things that we take for granted in democratic countries because it just happens that we have these rights. But in Saudi Arabia, uh, even calling out for simple uh, basic human rights, even anonymously on Twitter, on social media, 
is really a big deal to the to the Saudi government, and it's it, they would treat it as a crime. Hmm. Now you mentioned that he tweeted anonymously, and there's there's quite a story about how the Saudi authorities got to him and figured out who he hmm. was. How, can you tell me that story a little bit of that story? Yeah, we've learned that the Saudi government have spied on my brother among 6,000 other Twitter accounts that got leaked by ex-Twitter employees that were bribed by the Saudi government. Um, these ex-Twitter employees are right now wanted by the, um, the, by the FBI, by the U.S. So, uh, yeah, clearly the Saudi government is using every possible uh, way even illegally to get to the user's uh, details, personal information. So, um, you know, by spying on my brother, leaking his personal information like IP address and um, emails, phone numbers, whatever personal information uh, one could have uh, when using social media, they are using that to go after people, track people in, in the country and sometimes even outside the country and uh, try to press them and silence their voices. Hmm. Now, Mohammed Salman claims to have reformed the judicial system, uh, mm-hmm. pulling it away from its clerical foundations. But these uh, reforms have enabled him to bring the courts entirely under his control. As you said, it's very, very politicized. So what does that mean for ordinary Saudis in the kingdom? Yeah, first of all, he calls them reforms, but they are not really reforms. They are of the opposite. So right now, the justice system, it's its not independent. It's completely under the royal court. It's completely under the uh, under MBS directly. So the orders, uh, the judges cannot like use, cannot there cannot basically practice, you know, um, fairly. They have to wait for the orders to come from MBS or from the royal court uh, on what they, you know, what issues, what charges they can give and what type of sentences and, you know, what decisions they, sh- they can make. Even lawyers in Saudi Arabia are not free to practice their, uh, their job the, the right way. Uh, they are under, always under threat of being imprisoned or basically they would face, you know, the same way as the prisoners of conscience that they could be facing charges if they try to t- defend correctly, defend, you know, any victim correctly. So right now, uh, there is a high level of oppression and fear among the Saudis because not even the justice system can be fair and can protect victims. There is torture and enforced disappearance. There is increased level of human rights abuses happening in Saudi Arabia. And the justice system right now have no role at all to protect uh, victims of torture or protect victims of imprisonment without any any right. And uh, especially right now, we see the, in- the increase oppression and uh, silencing of people, treating them as, as criminals. Why they are not criminals, they are basically just expressing their opinions. Uh, so yeah, it has huge implication on the Saudi, uh, on the Saudi people, and also internationally outside, you know, uh, the country. For people like us, for example, where we're American citizens, but you know, um, my brother is in Saudi Arabia, imprisoned, disappeared, and we cannot even find a way to reach out to the Saudi government or find a proper legal system that we can go to to seek justice. 
So unfortunately, it's not reform. It's the opposite of reform. It's corruption. Like the justice system right now is completely corrupt. And you think even more so than it was before the so-called reforms that MBS brought in? Yeah, absolutely. It's a lot more corrupt than it used to be before there was a little bit of, you know, uh, room for like to push for um, justice, to push for find ways to to get response, to get communication, to get justifications. Um, In the past, the charges were a lot, a lot, a lot more. They were still crazy, but they were a lot more reasonable than it is today. Today is just way beyond uh, crazy to the point. I don't know if one could cry or laugh at them, but uh, I'm not justifying how it was in the past. It, it was still not fair in the past, but there was room for uh, for discussion. There was room for communication. It wasn't easy, but there was at least a small window for uh, like to push for some improvements, to push for some a certain level of justice. But today it's completely, the doors are completely shut and all the institutions are completely controlled by MBS, by the Crown Prince himself. Even the human rights organizations, uh, which they call human rights organizations inside the country, they're not really human rights organizations. They are uh, more of um, a mechanism to whitewash the abuses and cover the abuses and silence the victims. So they have them sign on uh, on a pledge not to speak about the abuses or the torture, and um, they advertise that they they are that there are no abuses, there are no torture. While they know that the victims tell them, but they try to hide those abuses. So they're more there to whitewash and uh, promote a, a different image than what is really happening in the country. You know, as I listen to you, Arish, and, and I think about the degree of surveillance and the fact that the the media, both the traditional media and the online media, is completely controlled by the regime. And I think, you know, this is a kingdom of fear. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a modern day Stalinist Russia. Yeah. Yeah. And talking about that, MBS is, um, it, he is also a close friends with uh, with Putin, you know, he, he looks up to him, which is really frightening because that means uh, more oppression and more crackdown on, on people. Uh, so it's really frightening to see that. Mm. Now, you are one of the keynote speakers at the upcoming Oslo Freedom Forum. Forum. Uh, you're going to be speaking on behalf of Abdul Rahman, but also on behalf of other political prisoners. What do you hope to accomplish, Arish? I, I hope uh, my speech will help increase awareness about the human rights abuses that it's happening in the country, and especially also for my brother's case. Of course, my brother's case is very, it's, it's a huge example of how, you know, how the level of human rights abuses are right now and how the justice system is being used, how it's the level of corruption of the justice system. Like, for example, 20 years imprisonment followed by 20 years travel ban. I mean, it's just ridiculous. It's beyond belief. Um, so I'm hoping that my voice will reach a lot more people. Every voice, you know, every voice, you know, can can speak about these abuses and can highlight these uh, human rights abuses really counts uh, in bringing more awareness. And that way we can put more pressure uh, on 
pushing for real for real reforms for real human rights improvements and eventually well hopefully uh, to release abdurrahman and uh, the many other prisoners of conscience who are in, in prison for no reason they shouldn't they shouldn't have spent one day in prison they are actually they should be celebrated as reformers if mbs was really genuine and um Uh, serious about reforms he would not silence people uh he would be the opposite he would welcome criticism because that's how you can bring reform is by listening to people by listening to both sides the sides who uh, praises you and the side who criticizes you so uh, clearly mbs is not a reformer because he only listened to his own voice reform to him is what he wants to do it's not what what the people wanted want to have unfortunately Ariz, mm. you're an american citizen your brother's not but but what support are you receiving from the biden administration he did call mbs a pariah but beyond that has the president done enough for abdurrahman and all the other political prisoners now in jail in saudi arabia is washington's voice loud enough Uh, so the, I, as American citizens, first of all, I just want to acknowledge that I got support from uh, the Speaker of the House uh, as my representative and also from the State Department. Um, so they continuously have tried to help and, uh, you know, communicate our case and many other cases of human rights abuses. And as you mentioned, when President Biden, uh, during his campaign, he called MBS a pariah and He also promised that he's going to make human rights at the center of his foreign policy. Now, uh, when he first won the election, uh, when he first became a president, we've seen early signs of improvement by the release of few uh, women rights activists, although they are still under trouble ban, so they are not fully free. But there was some early signs of uh, sort of like pushing for improvements for human rights. But that changed quickly after the Biden administration decided to let MBS off the hook after the CIA um, investigation report came out, clearly saying that MBS gave the order to murder the journalist uh, Jamal Khashoggi. Uh, and unfortunately, MBS took that as a sign of uh, that he can basically get away with carrying with more abuses. And right after that, We got, uh, my brother was dragged into court, although he, we received, just right after we received the second call from him saying that he was told that he will be released soon. So quickly, within a week, things changed completely. And my brother was dragged into court and was sentenced to 20 years imprisonment, followed by 20 years trouble ban. And my brother was not the only one. There was many other activists who also got lengthy sentences, which was really shocking. And it was happening like right away within within like couple of months we were seeing those increase of abuses and uh, so clearly it shows that mbs is not um is not responsive to di diplomacy and doesn't care about human rights and also doesn't care even about american american rights because what is happening right now also is a violation of our rights as american citizens my mom is american as well and she haven't heard my brother's voice in more than four years So um, my government, the U.S. government, have every right to speak up on our behalf to to really protect Americans, um, Americans' human rights, uh, beside, of course, international human rights, since the U.S. is, you know, supposedly leading when it comes to human rights. 
But unfortunately, I don't think the Saudi government is responsive to diplomacy and they see it as a weakness. Uh, so they are not taking the Biden administration seriously. And as, as we see right now, even with the war in Ukraine, they are using the war in Ukraine and uh, the, um, the rise of uh, prices of oil as a tool, as a way to, uh, to, to basically disrespect, you know, the relationship with the United States and really put, uh, you know, um, show that they don't care about human rights anywhere, whether it's in Ukraine or uh, to American citizens or to Saudi citizens or anywhere in, else in the world. It's really concerning. And um, we've seen also that the um, U.S. officials have, several U.S. officials have visited Saudi Arabia. And yet lately, there is no mention of human rights at all, which is really concerning because that's the opposite of what was in the core of uh, President Biden's campaign when he promised that he's going to make human rights at the center of his foreign policy. Uh, so as American, I feel very concerned where that's going to leave us, uh, where it's going to leave my mom, where is that going to leave me and the many other also um, American victims that I know, because we're not the only ones. There are several other American citizens who have relatives or have direct relatives who are, you know, affected by this. We are tortured by this. We are, we are, we are living in in hell, since my brother got disappeared, we have no communication with him. And that have huge effect on our lives, on our quality of life, on our health as Americans here in this country, on even our daily functions. So it is it's just really concerning where things are going right now. So I don't think the, the, the Biden administration are doing enough. And unfortunately, the Saudi government are not, you know, uh, not taking those promises seriously. You know, as you're speaking, Arish, I'm thinking about this, this picture of our prime minister, Boris Johnson, going to Riyadh, trying to get a break on, on the oil production, getting more oil into the, into the system to ease the pressure on prices. There he is shaking the hand of Mohammed bin Salman, I doubt very much whether the issue of human rights came up. Uh, when, when you see a picture like that, because of course, the United Kingdom, we are a democracy. We believe in freedom, free speech, free expression, free association. But when you see a picture like that, what, what do you think? Um, it's really concerning because, you know, as leaders, you, countries that have democracy, they they are the ones who are setting example for the rest of the world of how democracy looked like. So when I see a picture like that, I start to question, do we really have democracy? Where's, uh, where's actually our democratic values have went? Is it okay? Like, um, do we really even have democracy in that case? I mean, it's really concerning when I see democratic leaders shaking hands with dictators uh, without questioning any of, of the human rights abuses and putting everything aside just basically for uh, for oil, it's really concerning, um, especially right now where the world is trying to shift into renewable energy. So this is a true test for us. We should be treating this as another pandemic, like the war in Ukraine, the rise of, of oil prices, all of that should be treated as another pandemic where we have to really think seriously 
what, what can we do to be less dependent on oil and more focused on finding ways to improve renewable energy, find other ways to increase you know, uh, tools to use renewable energy. But instead, uh, we are seeing our like democratic leaders taking a completely opposite approach, allowing dictators to basically rule the world just because they have oil. And that's very, very dangerous. That means we are all at risk of losing our democracies at some point if that continues. Mm. Yeah, and and really abandoning any concern about human rights. Um, you've campaigned tirelessly on behalf of Abdurrahman. Tell our mm. listeners the the sort of brother he is. Yeah, my my brother is uh, such a wonderful um, human being. He is not only my brother; he's my best friend. Uh, he's like our guardian angel. My brother always looked after us. He always put everyone else before himself. Um, he has such a sweet nature. He's fun to be around. He always liked to crack jokes. He always liked to remind us that, you know, don't take things too much serious, too, too seriously. You know, you, there are, you know, always brighter side to whatever situation when we were like complaining to him about anything in life. He also have a great sense of compassion. Uh, when we were kids, he used to rescue injured animals and look after them. We always grew up with pets at, you know, with us as part of our family. So yeah, that's the type of you know, personality my brother is. And that's what led him to become a humanitarian aid worker. He was so uh, passionate about joining the Red Cross. And he told us even he went, before he, he applied that he he was thinking seriously about that and he wanted to become a humanitarian aid worker. He wanted to join the Red Cross. Um, and also it's what led him to refuse to stay silent when he sees uh, you know, any injustice. So yeah, that's, that's the type of personality my brother is. Um, yeah, and I miss him terribly. We miss him terribly. Um, yeah, it's, it's just like, it saddens me when I remember uh, what a wonderful you know, person he is and mm -hmm. yeah. Um, the impact on you and your family, you've spoken about it a little bit, uh, but can you talk about that just, just a little more, the kind of how hard it is for you and, and, and your family right now? Yeah, um, it's, it's beyond, uh, honestly, it's beyond words that I can describe or, or like uh, how difficult it is. It's been over four years right now and um, it's like living an in endless nightmare. Um, every day we just think, when is this nightmare going to end? You know, I just hope one day I could wake up and find that it's just a bad dream and it's not what is actually happening. But unfortunately, it's not. This is a, you know, like a, a living nightmare for us. Um, it's been very difficult. It affected our uh, quality of life. It uh, affected our health, especially my mom. Uh, my mother has suffered greatly as a result of this. My brother was very, very close to my mom. He always called her. He called her every single day. Um, he checks. He checked on her every day. So uh, it was. It was the most difficult, uh, you know, thing for my mom to, you know, not be able to hear her son's voice for over four years now and not to doesn't even and cannot know what whatever like what is going on like uh is he okay checking on his well-being on his health all these things are 
really too much for any mother to handle. So, um, yeah, it's been overall very difficult for all of us. It's a continuous nightmare, unfortunately, but uh, we have no option but to stay strong and uh, to keep to keep basically um, to keep hope and basically just never give, give up. Um, can, and for me, if personally, to continue to speak up, because obviously there is no other option for me, but just to continue speaking up and uh, continue raising awareness about my brother's case and the rest of the human rights cases that are going on in the kingdom. Mm, yeah, and you're doing that, that so well and, and, and with, with so much courage, Arish. What is the situation right now uh, concerning Abdurrahman? Yeah, so since uh, his last hearing, which was on October 5th from last year, he is uh, under he he is under enforced disappearance again. So any calls or visits are completely denied. Uh, most likely, he continues to be in solitary confinement. Um, so we really have no communication with him. We don't know how his well-being, how he's doing. Uh, we know that he's been brutally tortured, and he's not in best. He's not in good condition, unfortunately, health-wise, physical, physically, also you know, he is suffering a lot. Uh, so unfortunately, we have no communication with him. We've been denied all communication, no calls, no visits. It's been almost now eight months of another of additional enforced disappearance. The cruelty is is awful. It is. It's beyond belief. I, I just don't understand why the, like, MBS is so is behaving in this way while he's trying to promote that he is a reformer. But on the other hand, he is really taking an extreme when he's, you know, trying to silence people to that extent. I've, I've spoken to Lina Al-Hathlul, who, as you well know, is a sister of uh, the women's rights campaigner, Lujain. And uh, I've had her on the podcast a couple of times over the past two years. And there's a phrase that she used that, that just sticks in my mind. And, and I, every time I start to lose hope, I, re, I remember that phrase, and mm-hmm. it is, every voice counts. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, when I, when I see a, a, you know, a picture of our prime minister there with Mohammed bin Salman, knowing how cruelly that his regime is treating people like your brother, um, and, and, and he represents our democracy, and there we are letting MBS get away with this appalling treatment. And then I say to myself, you know, think about what Lena said. Think about what you are doing, Arij, and what many other people are doing. Um, every voice counts. It is so important for people to speak out, isn't it? To make Absolutely. every voice count. Yeah. Absolutely. And I 100% second that every voice count, no matter how, how it might not sound that impactful, but trust me, it's so impactful. Every voice counts. And like you mentioned, uh, it's our responsibility, every individual, um, they have a role. I mean, they have, they have the power, they have the power of their voice 
to let their leaders know that they they are the guardians of their democracy. You know, uh, our voices, without our voices, our democracy will not be the way it is, you know, if we don't call out, uh, you know, um, such human rights abuses, then we would lose that democracy. So definitely, you know, we have a responsibility to hold our leaders accountable for that, to protect democracy, to stay true to, uh, you know, protecting human rights. So definitely every single voice counts, no matter what, everywhere, everyone, absolutely. And this is what we're trying to really push for. Um, We never know someone's voice somewhere could help to release a prisoner. You know, sometimes also that's the reason why I also try to speak about about other activists. Um, Sometimes I feel like I could be speaking about someone else and my words could have an impact where someone else's life could be saved. They could be tortured right now. And because my voice or someone's someone else's voice, that just because their case becomes known, that could actually save their lives. So every voice counts. Absolutely. Arish, thank you. And thank you so much for, for what you are doing, uh, because it reminds all of us, all of us who are listening, that we have a role to play here and that we need to speak out. Uh, we need to shout out and, and show support for you and, and, and your family and all those other brave uh, families that are fighting this fight on behalf really of all of us. So, so, so I thank you. Thank you, Bill. And it's been really a pleasure to talk to you again. Thank you, Bill. Arish, thank you. Thank you so much. You've been listening to the Herb Digest podcast. My guest today was Arij al-Sarhan, who's a tireless warrior campaigning on behalf of her brother, Abdul Rahman, and other political prisoners incarcerated in the Saudi prison system. We welcome your comments. It's been nearly two years since we launched, and in that time, the podcasts have been listened to nearly 75,000 times in countries right around the world. So a big thank you to all our listeners. And if you're a first-timer, check out our podcast library on SoundCloud, Amazon Music, or other audio platforms. In addition to our podcasts, the Arab Digest daily newsletter features the very best of MENA analysts. If you'd like a free trial to the newsletter, simply go to ArabDigest.org. And if you enjoy what you find and want to join the club after your trial period has ended, we're offering special rates to students, academics, and retirees, and subscriptions are now available to university libraries. Check it out on ArabDigest.org and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And let me leave you with this one thought, that to challenge human rights abuses wherever they occur, every voice counts. I'm William Law, editor of the Arab Digest, essential reading from independent sources.